0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Actus Podcast, a bi weekly program dedicated to bringing you closer to the difference makers and CDI and sharing the latest news relevant to the CDI profession and Actus. I'm Linnea Archibald, the Associate Editorial Director for Actus, and I will be your host for today's show. We have a great show lined up, and I'm going to be joined by several Actus team members shortly, including our director of programming, Rebecca Hendren, editor and product coordinator, Carla Kozak, and associate editor, Jess Flugel. Today's show is going to provide a glimpse behind the scenes of all things Actus in a more casual and conversational format than our other podcast series, and it will also feature an interview with an Actus member who is involved with our associate. Today, we're going to discuss CDI educator roles and our guest is Kelly Sutton, RN, BSN, MHL, CCDS, CCS, who is the system CDI educator and implementation specialist at Advent Health in Florida. Kelly's CDI career started in 2015 as a frontline CDI specialist in a suburban 170 plus bed facility in Sebring, Florida. She earned her CCDS certification in 2018 and was promoted to a newly created CDI educator role in January 2019 as the CDI program transitioned away from facility-based to a divisional lead program. The educator role really allowed her to participate in the creation of policies and processes for the division for the first time. She stepped into her current role in August 2021, and she provides CDI education and software program support for over 40 facilities across the system. She obtained her CCS certification in 2022, and she is a member of several professional organizations, including ACTIS and the Florida ACTIS Local Chapter. Kelly is a member of the ACTUS Advisory Board, serving through April 2024, and she has spoken at several ACTUS national events over the years. Before we jump into our conversation, just a quick reminder that the podcast does offer 0.5 ACTA CEUs for the first two days after publication, which can be used towards your CCDS or your CCDSO recertification requirements. I will share the instructions at the end of today's show, so stay tuned for that. So welcome, Kelly. Thank you so much for joining me today. Let's start with maybe a deceptively simple question. I have a feeling it is deceptively simple. Could you walk me through kind of your day-to-day work as an educator? What does your job entail maybe on paper versus what you do in reality?
1: So hi, Linnea, thanks for having me. So I answer this question from two different perspectives, since I've worked as a regional educator for 13 facilities and now I work as a system educator for 45 facilities. So my work as a regional educator was really hands-on with lots of face-to-face time with with the team which i absolutely loved. at the time it was a new role we had just recently divisionalized so initially i was performing lots of audits to determine the areas that i needed to focus my attention on and then i started developing weekly lunch and learns for the team to help close some of the basic um, knowledge gaps that we had i also in that role managed the 12 to six week onboarding process for each of our new team members and then provided the feedback to the team member of course as well as the manager and director and then made any suggestions about you know completion of their onboarding or the need to extend. So other duties included developing um, a monthly CDI newsletter where we featured a CDI condition of the month and we also recognized a physician of the month to help with that CDI physician collaboration and engagement. I also enjoyed developing classes for preceptors and a CCDS prep class. And that was pretty much what the job description said on paper. Then there's a clause that says other duties as assigned. (laughs) So I ended up doing a lot of mentoring and cheerleading work, which was surprising to me. I think um, CDI has a, a steep curve and so much to keep up with. Sometimes people just get really discouraged or overwhelmed. So talking them off that ledge was actually one of my favorite things about the job in the regional role. One thing I did not expect to do, which was not on the job description either, was um, I spent a lot of time teaching people how to talk to providers. So our region was all RNs and they all had acute care experience and obviously had physician interactions in the past. But provider relationships change when you when you go over to the dark side, as they say about CDI. So I um, did a lot of training with that and kind of was, was not expecting that but really each day was different in that regional role, just depending on the needs of the division. So my role now is a lot more behind the scenes. I help develop that standardized content and we share it with our CDI teams, our coding teams and our providers. I I use analytics a lot more in this role to help me assess educational needs than I did versus the uh, regional role. And um, in my system role, I also work a lot more with our vendors to help with that development of education, um, scheduling webinars and such, and then implementing any type of new educational offerings or resources that we have. So I still teach sessions, just not as often, and I do miss that part a little bit. The other part of this role that I have now is to help implement and provide support for our software users across the system. And um, over the last year, that's really been a full-time job because we're transitioning our whole um, system across, across our system to um, a new emr and we're actually also getting ready in the middle of that to launch a new platform to make it easier for our providers to answer queries so we're rolling it out um, in in each region at various different times so it's a lot of work lots of creating tip sheets and lots of prep work for education for the teams so my favorite things about this role though um, in the system educator role is that I get to provide educational support to our regions that don't have an educator, and I still get to mentor people.
0: That's fantastic. It really sounds like you've kind of found your CDI calling in a lot of ways. Like, I I know this from talking to you not on the podcast, too, but I love how passionate you are about the education piece and about those mentoring pieces. So that was really wonderful uh, to hear. So thank you for sharing that. Sure. So... The educator role kind of in general is a relatively new role within CDI from what we've seen kind of in the data over the last few years, but it's definitely a growing segment of the profession. I feel like every year when we do our big CDI industry survey, we see that percentage growing so why do you think this role is so valuable to a department, and then why do you think maybe it's it's really increasing in popularity in the industry right now?
1: So that's a great question. Um, not a simple question, I think, but um, an educator really can do so much for the team or system depending on you know what that team or system needs. I think with managers and directors being pulled in so many different directions and stretched so thin, the educator can really come in and swoop in and manage the whole onboarding process. They can take over the auditing for compliance or educational needs, and they can help to keep the team up to date with the constant changes that we see in CDI. I really feel like, um, especially since COVID, organizations are realizing how much an educated CDI team can improve not only their bottom line, but their publicly reported quality outcome scores. That wasn't something we used to focus on so much, but I think as more teams transition to being a quality-based team, you're seeing that a lot more.
0: Absolutely. I think it's, um, I mean, COVID changed everything, really, (laughs) to put it mildly, but I do think that importance of having a really educated CDI staff, especially where organizations are, a lot of them are kind of struggling right now with their bottom line, knowing that your CDI team is making sure that the documentation is denial proof and, you know, is fully accurate for reimbursement and quality reasons is just more important now than it ever has been, I think.
1: Um Absolutely. I mean, we're providing that quality care to the patient. So we should re- be reimbursed accordingly. You know, I know people don't like to talk about, it, in a lot of places, they don't like to talk about CDI being a moneymaker, but really it does help keep the doors open and it does help us receive those reimbursements for that, um, you know, that quality care and those resources the patients are utilizing.
0: Totally. And it's, um, it really is, it, it comes back to patient care. Like, yes, it's, it is financial, but you need the finances to, to to take care of the patients. So it's all patient care.
1: And that quality comes out too. You know, the, 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 if you have the accurate documentation that really leads to the accuracy in your reimbursement, your quality scores.
0: Absolutely. So, Kind of zooming in, we talked a little bit about kind of the value for the the organization, but I often also hear that this type of role is kind of a great career or professional development opportunity for those who are maybe looking to grow in their CDI career without stepping into maybe a more traditional leadership role, like a manager or supervisor or director. So How do you see the educator role fitting into maybe a larger career ladder structure? Are there certain traits that could make someone particularly well suited for that educator role if they're looking to take a next step?
1: So, yeah, I think the educator role is a great way for somebody who doesn't want to manage people like me um, to achieve a leadership role. So it's a great stepping stone, I think, if you want to become even an education manager or if you're interested in becoming a CDI team manager director. You know, those roles require effective communication and presentation skills, which you really have to hone in on and develop um, in the educator role. So I think it's also a great stepping stone if you're thinking outside the box and maybe you're interested in becoming a consultant. And, you know, you travel around the country to help implement program improvements and provide education. What a great stepping stone. They all need you to be um, effective communicators and they have to you have to understand the content and be able to educate people about it. So great stepping stone Um, as far as traits that are helpful in the role. Um, The educator role requires a little bit of patience, um, a really positive attitude. And I think to be an effective educator, you have to have that desire to make people's, um, you know, make a difference in people's lives. I also think you have to have a love of learning. So it's helpful if you're a little bit of a nerd. I kind of am. I love learning and researching. And um, I think you also have to know how to have fun or how to make things fun. I really wholeheartedly believe that education can be fun and meaningful at the same time. And I think an educator should really be uh, approachable and people feel vulnerable when they don't know something or they have a question. And if they feel intimidated or they don't feel like they can approach you or you might talk down to them or something, they're never going to ask that question. And that would be just such a huge missed opportunity to share that knowledge and help them grow.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's some of the traits I think that you mentioned necessary or make for a great educator also make for a great CDI professional, but it's a little bit more of like a focused (laughs) application of some of those traits. Yes.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, and actually, you know, if you think about it in CDI, we're all educators to a degree. I mean, we help educate ourselves, we help educate other team members, we help educate coders and physicians. So really the educator role is more of a natural, you know, next step. It was for me anyways. Um, because that's that's what we're used to doing. It's just now it's actually in your job title. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's always nice when that aligns. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about kind of the education that you're providing to staff and to providers as well. What methods or maybe tactics is a better word have you found that are most beneficial there? And how have you maybe kind of systematized, especially because you're in a system role now, that education process in a way that works really well for your team and the provider's needs.
1: So I think it really depends on the learner and boy, I have a lot to say about this. (laughs) So for our providers, we've tried multiple different um, platforms for learning and we've really found that the short written resources work better so they can do education on the fly. You know, they can do it in between patients. They can look at it when they're um, doing their documentation or in a cafeteria, wherever. We publish three physician education flyers a month. And each of the flyers focuses on a specific condition. It includes a clinical criteria for the condition as well as documentation tips and pitfalls. It's just a short, it's like a two minute read or something. But really we provide um, 0.5 CMEs for completions of all three tip sheets each month to try to incentivize providers to look at that. For um, our CDI teams, we provide a mix of education platforms since again, everybody learns differently. For those who learn through um, hearing and seeing the content at the same time, we provide uh, multiple vendor webinars and boot camps. We also provide more interactive calls like our quality liaison advanced practice call. So this calls for our second level reviewers. And I start off the call with any findings from an audit, usually go over four of the major findings from any of the audits that we're doing. And then I review a couple of scenarios to show the impact of their work on the patient's expected mortality. These are typically reviewers who do our mortality cases. And then the cool thing about this call is the various team members present to their peers on the call. So they share cases or procedures or even um, diagnoses that were interesting to them, something they had to research or a case that kind of surprised them. Um, And then they share the resources that they use to investigate that diagnosis or procedure. Sometimes, like our last call we had last week, we watched a short two-minute video on a procedure. So. Um, It's really interactive. And I also usually come up with some kind of educational game that we play throughout the call, too. So in between each presenter, I play a little game like name this code or something like that. It's it's just a really fun way to ensure that we have participation. And it also helps our team members grow professionally by helping them um, develop their presentation skills. And again we have a lot of fun learning together and i always learn things when i'm putting together those slides for the team so we also have an educator council and that includes representation for most of our divisions across the system and we collaborate on developing standardized education for our teams across the system and we usually host um, a call on teams a few times a year And the cool thing about that call is each of the educators presents a portion of the call to keep it interesting and fun. So it's not just like me. It's not just, you know, I'm like the peanuts teacher. Want, 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 want for 60 minutes. We each we each have a role to play. So that's kind of cool. And I'm I'm really personally a fan of the more interactive calls because it really helps keep my attention. And it does not allow me to multitask when I really should be focused on the education. For our team members who prefer reading content, we publish a two-page tip sheet every week and it focuses on a specific condition. It includes the clinical criteria as well as indicators, risk factors, and treatment. And then I also provide a clinical scenario with a sample query to help with that um, compliant query composition for our newer team members. And then also on a quarterly basis, we develop a more in-depth publication for communicating more complex disease processes or like linking conditions or things of that nature. And it also includes CDI news from across the system. So we have articles written by team members or providers. We usually include two clinical focus articles, one for adult conditions and one for NICU conditions. We provide one page of technology tips to help um, ensure our team members are using the technology and resources, um, you know, optimizing their use of them. And then we also have a CDS spotlight so our team members can get to know people from other divisions. Uh, I usually include a code this procedure section where I list like an op note and then a few pages later you can find out how it was actually coded. Um, or you can try to guess ahead of time and see if your codes match up with what, what was actually coded. And then we also include a um, page with all the pictures of our newest team members to kind of help welcome them and let our, let our people across the system know who's joining our team. And my favorite part of that publication is the team recognition page where our team members recognize each other for living our service standards. I know everybody, from what I hear anyways, they go directly to those pages to see if they were recognized. And then they, you know, they congratulate their team members or whatever. So it ensures that at least people are opening it and starting to read it. So that always makes my heart happy. With all of our publications, whether they're physician education flyers or our CDI tip sheets, those are shared with all the same people. So they go out to our physicians, our CMOs, our CDI teams, and our coding teams. And that way, everybody's getting the same information across the system.
0: I love that. I love one of the things that I feel like kept coming up when you were talking about that is just how customized it is and how personal it is. Like, There's so many opportunities for your staff to connect as people during the education. And I think it, particularly in this remote environment, in this kind of system-wide CDI environment, it that is really valuable <laughs> to have your your staff feel like they're connected to each other and connected to you and to the providers. And um, all of that really makes a, a huge difference. And I think probably helps your education stick <laughs> a little bit better. That's what we hope. <laughs> yes, uh, that's the dream at least. So let's talk a little bit about if a CDI department is maybe after they're listening to this conversation, they are now considering adding an educator role to their team. What considerations do they need to make? Are there any kind of specific things they need to put into the job description for that new role? So I think the educator
1: should really have at least three to five years of CDI experience and have their CCDS. So to me, this helps ensure the CDS has enough experience to support their team. Again, what I experienced moving from frontline to a regional educator role was that overnight I was miraculously supposed to know everything. So um, (laughs) I I think you really do have to have a lot of knowledge um, to be able to help support your team. I think also ensuring that um, that candidate is proficient with computers and software. That's hugely important. Um, you're in the educator role. I found that not only are you teaching the software, um, trying to teach people how to get on Teams or Zoom or something like that, um, but also Like sometimes I found that you're teaching them some of the most basic computer things. So trying to teach somebody to how to copy and paste. I know it sounds crazy, but um, you really have to have an overall knowledge. You know, how do you clear your cache? How do you just so many different things with the computers? So I think you have to be tech savvy in order to be in this role. Um, I think a BSN or a master's degree requirement reflects that candidate's willingness to pursue their professional development. So, um, and I also think it's, it's great when you have that yourself, you can try to help your staff grow professionally and share your experiences as you achieve those degrees and what it actually meant to you and how you use the um, education that you received in your everyday work. And then lastly, I think excellent communication skills should be a requirement to help your team understand complex issues in CDI, because otherwise um, it's just not gonna work. I think.
0: Yeah, I think those are all really great kind of qualifications to seek out um, and might also give people who are looking to step into this type of role some guidance as to where they could potentially grow or pursue that higher degree or whatever it is to make themselves stand out. Um, All of those are great suggestions. So as we close out here, I would love to end with a bit of advice for our brand new CDI educators who might be listening today. Is there anything you maybe wish you had known before taking on this role? What can CDI professionals do now maybe to prepare themselves to step into that educator role for the first time?
1: So I'm not sure there's anything I wish I had known um, before taking on the role, only in the fact that there's so much that I ended up doing. You become a jack of all trades, really, in this role. You you know, those other duties is as a sign. You never know what that's going to be. So I'm, I'm probably glad I didn't know all that before I jumped into it. Um, the best advice I think I can get give is to um, really get comfortable telling people you don't know something, but you research it and find out. Again, um, no matter how long you've been in CDI, you're never going to know everything. And don't place that expectation on yourself that you have to know the answers all the time because you won't. And that's just an unrealistic expectation. Um, Also, I think be patient with yourself. I know that's a good tip for brand new CDSs, but I think it's a great tip for new educators or new anybody in leadership roles for that matter. I remember feeling like there was so much to do and so much to learn and just not enough time. I think. Again, being realistic about your goals, you're not going to be helpful to people if you're burning out yourself um, because you're trying to do too much.
0: Yeah, I think that's all. Great advice and a, a great way to to end our chat here today. So thank you so much, Kelly. This has been really fun and really helpful. I hope that our listeners found it so as well. Unfortunately, we have run out of time for the discussion portion of today's episode. But as always, if our audience has Questions about this topic, you can feel free to email the Actus team anytime. You can get a hold of us at infoactus.org. At I will put that email address in today's show notes, which are available on actus.org and also in your podcast app. So you can grab it from there. Kelly is also a member of our Actus advisory board. So we are thrilled to have her on today. And thank you so much again for sharing your expertise.
1: Thank you again for having me.
0: Now it's time for the Actus Update, a regular segment featuring the latest news on what's going on inside our association. As I mentioned at the top of today's show, I'm joined by several of my editorial team colleagues, Rebecca, Carla, and Jess, for our special edition of the Actus Update. Per usual, we've got a whole lot going on. Uh, that's nothing new there, and we have not much time to cover it, which is also nothing new there. Uh, Our first bit of news connects very nicely, actually, with my conversation with Kelly on today's episode. And that news is that we have a new boot camp in our lineup designed for CDI educators. Uh, Rebecca, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yes,
2: I'm really, really thrilled by this new boot camp that we have for the CDI educators, which is something that Laurie Prescott and uh, the rest of the boot, Actors boot camp instructors have been working on for a while. You know, the, the CDI educators, I think, are really... Um, key to a lot of the education that goes on and they're such a thriving community. So we're excited to develop this and to offer it. Um, And we talk a a lot at Actis about developing new leaders, developing educators. And at many of our organizations, it's the CDI educators who are at the heart of doing all of that. So I'm really glad that we now have a training program that supports and guides these CDI educators, whether they're brand new to the role or they're just looking for the next step in their development. Um, And the exciting thing also is that we're developing a certificate program that will go along with this boot camp so that everybody who takes it will uh, receive a certificate um, and are able to call themselves as ACUS approved CDI educators. So there's a little bit more to come on that. It's very exciting for us. We had our first cohort go through it just last week. Um, they were really our beta testers in the weeds with Laurie Prescott as um, we narrowed the focus and really tested it. So look forward to sharing more information on that as we finalize it over the next few weeks, so that the next cohort who go through it um, are able to conclude the program with this certificate, which will be lovely. Um, And just like all of our boot camps, it's going to be available in a format that best suits your needs, whether that's attending a live in-person class um, at somewhere in the country, or if you want to take it virtually from anywhere, but with the benefit of a live instructor and your other people on the course who are taking it with you. And for some people, the best option is an online version that you can do entirely on your own and at your own time, your own speed. And the nice thing about the e-learning version of any of our Axe Boot Camps is that you do have the ability to email the instructors to ask a question. So you never have to feel like you're entirely on your own. So that's a huge development that we have coming. Um, I'm really thrilled for the group that was together last week being our beta testers and figuring things out. Um, And I'm very excited to be able to uh, let everybody know more details of that over the next coming weeks. So yeah, so then the, the other exciting thing that we have coming up, which is surprisingly soon, is the CDI week. Um, and the fact that we have the industry survey, which is enormously beneficial to the profession, is very exciting. So I wanted to pass it over to Jess to start talking about that.
3: Yes, um, it is live. As of now, You anyone can take the industry surveys associated with CDI week that we that we have. Um, our theme this year is CDI success stories, writing your next chapter from September 18th through the 22nd. So mark your calendars for that um, and all the book-themed activities and uh, resources that will be in store. It's going to be really fun. Um, but yes, in preparation, we do have the survey um, that gives us kind of a chance to take a pulse of What's going on in the CDI industry. And the hot topics we're going to focus on uh, that you'll see as you take the survey are provider engagement, professional development and staffing, outpatient CDI and risk adjustment, denial trends and CDI involvement, and last, workflow tools and technology. And the deadline to submit your answers for that is Monday, July 24th. So keep that in mind. Um, You have got a bit of time, but we would love to get that information from CDI professionals of all experiences and backgrounds. Also, the July-August edition of the CDI Journal was just released as well. Um, We have a lot of great articles to share, so please check that out. Um, I know everybody in CDI loves education, but it it was a very special chance in this edition to focus on all the different types of education that CDI professionals do, like working with your department, whether it's in person or remote. Providers and residents, and how education with them differs, um, and with other departments in your organization, and of course, uh, every CDI specialist knows self-education is is essential. So there's, we cover all those, um, and using a lot of different voices too. So I would really encourage you to check it out. And also, as a heads up, our next edition will be about CDI and denials, um, which I know is another great topic. People have. To read and write about, so we are accepting article submissions for that until August first. Um, so feel free to reach out on that. Um, but speaking of, you know, more fun with education and activities and such. I know that Carla um, has a similar deadline with the CDI special. Sorry, the CDI Week Industry Survey. Um, the speaker call is also the deadline for that. Is Monday, July twenty fourth? Is that right, Carla? Yeah, that is right, Jess. Nice and easy to remember. <laughs> And when we've got one deadline
4: for everything, I love it. We didn't even plan that, but yes, as you were saying, the 2024 call for speakers for our ACTUS events is now open. Most of you know that we use our call for speakers to find speakers for our upcoming ACTUS conference, but this year is extra special because we'll also be accepting proposals for the ACTUS Symposium, Outpatient CDI, and ACTUS Physician Advisor Forum both of which take place immediately before the 2024 Actis National Conference in Indianapolis. You can apply for one, two, or all three events using the same application, which makes it super easy to let your proposal be considered for as many different avenues as possible that might be applicable to your your session. Sorry, a little tongue-tied today. You can submit multiple session proposals if you've got several topics you think could be a good fit for the conference, but note that they must be submitted as separate applications. And if you're still not sure if you're interested in speaking at an Actis event, I just want to remind you that being a speaker has its perks. Actis conference speakers receive free registration for the conference, and that's for you and for up to one co-speaker on that session. And whether it's your first time or you're a veteran presenter, this is your chance to refine your public speaking skills by stepping up to the podium in a really supportive and encouraging environment. It's also your opportunity to give back to the profession by sharing your experiences with your peers. Note that sessions are approximately one hour in length and should consist of a 45-minute presentation followed by 15 minutes of Q&A please prepare your session title, a description of the session, and three to five learning objectives before you begin your application. As just said, the deadline to submit your application is Monday, July 24th, the same deadline to give your responses to our CDI week survey. And you can apply using the link in the show notes. You can also Contact us at info at actus.org if you have any questions about the application process. We're really excited to see what everyone comes up with this year so that we can make our 2024 conference the most comprehensive it can be.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I love all of our updates this week sort of hinged on education, which goes really well with our... Our interview today with Kelly. So, um, I really hope that people were inspired after hearing Kelly and they're going to go take the industry survey and sign up for a boot camp and apply to speak at the conference and do all the things because there's just so many opportunities to both educate yourself and educate your peers with your experience. So hopefully people are excited and we are excited to see what you come up with in your proposals and what you say in the survey and all of that. Like Carla said, you can find all of the links in the show notes as always. Those are on actus.org. You just click on the actus podcast section under the resources tab and there's a list of all of our previous episodes on that page that you can click into and get all of those show notes and links and all that good stuff. And we're always happy to hear from you. If you want to shoot us an email at info at we will be happy to chat with you. As a reminder, before we close out today's episode, each Actus podcast episode does offer 0.5 Actus CEUs, which can be used towards recertifying your CCDS or your CCDSO credential for those who listen to the show in the first two days from the time of posting. To receive those 0.5 CEUs, go to the show page on actus.org by clicking on the Actus podcast link under the resources tab. And then clicking on today's episode from the list on that page. It is just below the show description. Then follow the instructions in the show notes for today's episode. Your certificate will be automatically emailed to you upon submitting the brief evaluation form. The cutoff for today's episode CEU is Friday, July 7th at 11 p.m. Eastern. After that point, the CEU period will close and you will no longer be eligible for the 0.5 CEUs for this week's episode. With that, we have reached the end of today's Actus podcast episode. We will be back in two weeks on Wednesday, July 19th for our next show, which will be part of our Leadership with Linnea series. If you would like to receive reminders about each episode, make sure you are subscribed to our free weekly newsletter, CDI Strategies, which always includes a link to the new episode when it's available. You can listen to the show anytime on the Actus website or via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. All the links we discussed during today's episode will be available in the show notes. And as always, we would really appreciate it if you would take a minute and leave us a five-star review on your podcast app of choice that really helps others find our show. Our intro and our outro music is Media Noche by Deanne Key, and our ad music is Take Me Higher by Jazar, both obtained from the Free Music Archive. If you have any suggestions for future guests or topics, please feel free to email us at info at actus. And until next time, take care, everyone.